Hello and welcome to the Black Arrows Employment Team podcast where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. My name is Simon Allison. I'm head of Black Arrows Employment Team. This podcast is aimed at business owners and HR managers and aims to keep you on the straight and narrow with your staff. Welcome to season four. This season contains the one with the Bert and Ernie cake and the one with the Pimlico plumbers. So when it hasn't been your day, your week, your month or even your year, sit back and listen to Employment Lawyer in Your Pocket podcast. Hello, welcome to episode two of season four of Employment Lawyer in Your Pocket. I am joined by Jack Boyle. Hi Jack, how are you doing today? Hi Simon, I'm not too bad at all. What about yourself? I'm doing A-OK. We've also got the new guy with us, don't we? Welcome, employer Blair. Hi Blair, how's it going? I'm very well, Simon. How are you? I'm doing okay. And yourself, Jack? You all right? I'm good, thanks Blair. Nice to have you along. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay, so this one is called The One with the Pimlico Plumbers. So let's go with this case. You on. You're, what do you mean, Jack? Good luck selling this. Pimlico plumbers, workers, <laughs> self-employed. How are you meant to make a podcast out of this? Listen, listen, Jack, listen and learn. Okay. Let's discuss the case of Pimlico plumbers. Um, what's the case about Blair? Well, Simon, the case centres around Mr. Smith, uh, who was a plumbing and heating engineer, and Pimlico plumbers, who were a plumbing business mainly based in London. The Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, was asked to determine whether Mr. Smith was a worker and therefore entitled to the protections afforded to him under employment law, or as Pimlico Plummer said, whether he was self-employed. Okay. This case is quite an important one in the context of the kind of gig economy, as a lot of companies are trying to seek to rely on self-employed status to benefit them in an employment law context. Big stakes to be fair, isn't it? Because if he, if he was an employee, then they can claim unfair dismissal, national minimum wage, yep. redundancy pay, um, working time, that kind of stuff. Yep. Self-employed, none of these things could be claimed. So it was kind of high stakes for um, Mr. Smith, wasn't it? Very high stakes. No doubt that's why the, the company defended it all the way to the Supreme Court as well, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so let's... That was interesting, wasn't it, Jack? That's fair enough, yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. What did Pimlico point to in order to make the argument that Mr. Smith was self-employed, Blair? Well, Pimlico Plumbers pointed to a few things in Mr. Smith's account uh, of employment. As they, as they said, uh, they pointed to the fact that he was entitled to refuse work, which they provided to him. He had to account for his own income tax. He had to provide his own tools and equipment and also to procure his own liability insurance. They also tried to point to quite a spurious clause in the contract where they said that he was an independent contractor of the company. Okay, so that's clearly kind of self-employed status, these kind of factors, aren't they, Jack? Yeah, these are all quite... Um definitely point towards self-employed status but I'm sure as um, well it'll be interesting to hear what what the, the courts actually said but um, it's, you're interested it's, are you? you're well, interested interesting I mean it's you you're interested o- Jack are you? I'm trying my best here Jack <laughs> you quite often get clients coming to you and saying you know I want this person to be self-employed draft me a watertight self-employed contract of course and I think the course. case is maybe going to shed a bit of light on that as a task okay on you go on you go then Blair well in addition to this, the contract and the manual which they incorporate into the contract contained some contradictory points which didn't really help Pimlico Plumbers. In that contract, they said that Pimlico Plumbers could terminate what they called his agreement immediately for gross misconduct, which, as you know, is usually a temporary employment contract. Yeah, that's true. that's true. Mr. Smith was also required to use a Pimlico Plumbers van. He had to wear Pimlico Plumbers uniform. 
he had to, he had to uh, liaise with their control room who administered jobs and inform them about his jobs and also his movements. And he also had to wear a Pimlico plumber's ID when he attended the job. So a lot of these things, in my view, point to the fact that he may have been a worker with them as they kind of mm. tend to show kind of subordination and that political plumbers were in control yeah. of his employment. That's true. So factors for self-employed, factors for employee. What factors did the Supreme Court consider, Blair? Well, the Supreme Court mainly considered two concepts. The first was personal performance. The Supreme Court said that in order to qualify as a worker, Mr. Smith had to show that he undertook the work personally under the contract. Okay. This means that basically, except for on a few occasions, he had to do the work himself and he could not substitute anyone else to do it for him. If he had been able to substitute someone else, that would be a contract for service rather than one for personal service, like an employment contract. Okay, okay, okay. Under the contract, Mr. Smith was not able to substitute someone to do his work for him. He could have an assistant or bring in somebody else who had extra skill, but they are both obviously different to substitution. Yes. The Supreme Court made it clear that personal performance is one key element which shows worker status. Okay, and that was a major consideration, wasn't it, in this case? Yes, absolutely it was. Okay, what else did they consider, Blair? They also considered whether there was subordination. So whether Mr. Smith may be a client or a customer of Pimlico Plumbers rather than a worker. So they had more difficulty with this um, because it would be for Mr. Smith to show that he was not offering his services on the open market, but instead was relying on Pimlico Plumbers for all of his work. The difficulty, as I've said earlier, was that Mr. Smith was able to refuse work and Pimlico stated in the contract that they had no obligation to provide him with any work. But as with the other contracts, there was a contradictory point in the contract which stated that he had to be available over five working days to complete a minimum of 40 hours. In other words, there was no obligation on Pimlico to provide him with work, but he had to be available for the work, although he could refuse it on practical grounds, for example, if... Uh, the job was too far away from him to do it. Okay. okay. Sounds a bit of a mess, to be honest. Doesn't yeah, it was all very, it was all very kind of confusing. They didn't kind of keep it very consistent, which would have been better from their point of view, I think. So they want to have their cake and eat it. Oh, Indeed. That a pun there. That was a wee pun there. That was a wee last pun. Week. Yeah, episode, <laughs> one, a wee episode one pun. Did <laughs> How are you getting on, by the way, guys? Week three without any sugar. <sighs> a bit edgy. A bit edgy. Yeah. How are you doing, Blair? Yeah, not, not yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but quite irritable, to be fair. Me or manager, Henry? Me no. or you? <laughs> I am. Oh, I, okay. am. <laughs> I am. Anyway, back to the case. Come on back sorry, to the case. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Ultimately, the question to be asked was to what extent was Mr. Smith subordinated in his relationship with Pimlico? So were they in the kind of master-servant type relationship? Was he able to arrange his own clients or did Pimlico call the shots? Master and servant, Jack, what did I think of? Master. <laughs> there you are. Every Master Tricksters. <laughs> every episode. Every podcast. Get Gollum Pression in. Okay. As with everything in employment law, unfortunately, there's no hard and fast rule and it's always necessary to look at all the circumstances. The Supreme Court held in this case that because Mr. Smith wore the uniform, drove the van to which Pimlico applied a tracker, wore its identity card and followed the instruction of the Pimlico control room, that those circumstances clearly pointed to the fact that he was not an independent contractor. And the coupling of that with uh, the fact that he had to do personal performance, pointed to the fact that he was therefore a worker and entitled to the protections that flow from that status. Okay. Such so as holiday pay and sick pay and the like. Yep. Minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Yep. Rest breaks. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what does this result mean, um, do you think, Blair? 
Well, it means it's not enough for a company simply to say that you're a self-employed contractor. They've got to consider all of the relevant circumstances in the case and apply that dreaded multi-factor test. What does that mean? What Ugh, does that mean? I know, it's what so opaque. So Maybe I can give you a wee example to illustrate. There's two examples. Okay. Let's take uh, someone called Jack, who in this case <laughs> is, rather than being a solicitor, he's, he's a cleaner. Well, be good at that, Jack. Be less stress. Yeah. Come on, Jack. <laughs> Come on, Jack. <laughs> There's two scenarios. In the first scenario, Jack provides cleaning services for the local council and okay. he cleans schools and other local authority premises. The council tells Jack on which days he has to work and at what times he has to come to work. They tell him which schools or buildings he should attend to clean. The council provides a uniform to Jack and all the relevant cleaning equipment. In this scenario, Jack is clearly a worker. In terms of personal service, which the Supreme Court ruled was, uh, was a factor, Jack has to attend personally to, to do the jobs. He couldn't send someone else to do it as he wouldn't be paid. And okay. if, if he was on holiday, the council would send somebody else rather than him sending someone else. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So that would mean that I would, if it was me, I would be getting working time rights, um, statutory sick pay, Absolutely holidays right, and all that kind of thing. That's what you'd be getting. So it sounds quite good. Sounds cushy. Yeah. Clean a few windies and get some holiday pay. <laughs> okay, scenario two, Blair. So in scenario two, Jack provides cleaning services to the public, mostly by cleaning people's homes. He arranges his customers on particular days and agrees prices. He provides the equipment and is to maintain insurance. In that context, Jack is clearly self-employed. In terms of personal service, it is likely that although customers would prefer Jack to attend, they would ultimately be okay if he sent someone else as long as the job was done. Mm -hmm. um, Jack is not reliant on one particular person um, he can negotiate with other clients to get it and he's not looking for one particular company to give him the work looking at all the circumstances in that case Jack is clearly self-employed there okay so that means basically no real security of employment for Jack he's got to do his own tax returns he's got to report to, to the revenue no holidays, or if he takes holidays, he doesn't get paid. That's right. So you take all the risk in that situation, yeah. Jack, not the employer. So it's things about financial risk. Do you kind of invest money? Do you provide the equipment and all those kind of things? Well done. What an interesting podcast that was, wasn't it, Jack? Well, you must be engaged, mustn't you? I'm happy, to, I'm happy to eat humble pie on this occasion. Well, hey, hey. <laughs> sorry, okay. sorry, listeners. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> okay, so let's go for our three takeaway tips. Um, what are your three takeaway tips today, Blair? Well, the three I've got, Simon, are to consider things like control. So think about who exercises control over the person in question. The second one would be personal service. Does the person in question have to attend the task themselves or can they send someone else? And the third would be risk. Think about things like who takes the financial risk, who provides the equipment or the tools. And I'm sorry, but I've got a wee fourth one because there's employment Not law. permitted. No, not permitted. Sorry, Blair. Okay, I'll, get my, I'll get my coat. Cool. Sorry. No, okay, come on. What's the fourth one then? We'll just flush this one out then we can go, Simon. Oh, yuck. You've really plunged in your depth there, Blair. What a shower we are. Come on then. Fourth one. Quick, 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 quick. It's not a specific one, but you should think about all the relevant factors in a case and you shouldn't cherry pick things which are convenient or persuasive for you. Those three points are not prescriptive and you should look at everything. In, in a case to determine uh, worker or self-employed status. Good I, stuff. I.e. multifactorial 
falling asleep now, Blair. <laughs> Sorry, Come on, Jack. Jack. Sorry, Come on, Jack. That's Multi-factor harsh. test. I know it's really boring, but that's the I know it's it really interesting. Well done, Blair. Very Thank relevant you. as well. And I mean, we've, we've got a client in the diary for later this week, Blair, who's got a very issue as to whether someone is worker, self-employed or employee and they're away to go to tribunal to argue it. So it'll be good to put this into practice, hopefully in the coming months. Yes. Okay, so that concludes episode two of season four, the one with the Pimlico Plumbers. Yay. Let's go. Cheers and cheerio. Bye, guys. Cheers. See you later. (laughs)